Hey guys, Danny here, and on this episode of Music Lesson Business Academy, I'm going to talk about a huge shift in Starbucks thinking, but it's not the thing that you think I'm going to talk about. Let's roll the intro. everybody i'm your host danny back for another episode of music lesson business academy thanks so much for joining me special shout out to all you platinum club members and all you new patreon supporters really appreciate you guys jumping in over there and supporting this podcast with uh your support over at patreon so i'm um, recording this on a monday yesterday did a super cool event at my school. And I, I think I'm going to, I don't know, put some videos or a little mini course or something together on this to give you guys a little bit more insight on how to put something like this together. But we did a live stream event from our school. It was, so it was like a mini recital. We only had five performance slots and we had some, some duos perform together. So, you know, seven or eight people performing total. So not a bunch of people. But, um, you know, we kind of wanted to try it for the first time. And then I think the next one we do, we'll be able to get more people involved. But on top of that, I think we can do them more often than a regular event recital. So we did a live stream event. We used two separate areas at our school. So there was an area where I was presenting. So I had a camera on me and a microphone. Um, and then in another room, we had my better good Sony camera. Uh, on the performer area that we had set up with a keyboard and a couple of, you know, pretty decent, not actually not expensive, but some large diaphragm condensers that we got, but not even really expensive ones, just some cheap Sterling mics that we got from uh, Guitar Center. And surprisingly, they sounded really good for vocals. Um, you know, so I had all that audio from both scenes and both cameras all running into one mixing unit out of that mixer into my interface through into OBS streaming software. And then we streamed that event live to Facebook. Now we also could stream it to other platforms all at the same time. I have a new software program called Caster put in. Um, I just didn't get it quite around to getting it tested for that first. I didn't want my first time using it to be when we were doing an event. So, uh, but moving forward, I can live stream that event to like, 10 different channels if I wanted to. And most of the time you're not going to do that, but you might want to do Facebook and your YouTube channel. Um, you know, and also then this event is immortalized. It's saved. It's on your Facebook page. It's on your YouTube channel. Plus in OBS, I recorded the whole thing in OBS, which allows me to then pull it into a video editor and I can make adjustments to it later. So, you know, can cut out a little dead air or, you know, the long intro or whatever you want to do to make it really cool. But it was pretty awesome. I mean, moving forward, I don't think I would go back to doing a regular recital after this because, you know, there's a lot of elements to this. One is, let's be real, no matter how cool we make the events. And I, you know, I've worked really hard to make our events 
fun. And, you know, we have the photo booth and the cotton candy machine and, you know, we give these cool prizes and we have food and alcohol and all these things to try to make a regular, you know, event kind of fun and exciting. But the reality is, especially for families bringing younger kids with them to watch and things like that, it's difficult to sit there. Even if we do it like we do, where maybe we limit it to 25 performance slots, it's still an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes pretty easily you know and the reality is nobody really wants to sit there during that it it's just not that exciting to watch 20 kids do their little guitar you know piano little pieces there's always a few standout performances that everybody loves but you know everybody does their photo and they like the photo booth and all those things but after <clears throat> all that is over it's really a lot of sitting there for a decent period of time to watch these performances where the live stream, they can get out of it what they want, which is, of course, they really just want to watch their kid. But if you make it entertaining and exciting and fun, you can keep, you know, a larger audience attached for a longer period of time. Now, I didn't really push this one that hard. Again, this was our first attempt. So I didn't go crazy in the promotion side of it, you know, sent out an email or two, but I, I didn't really push to get like everybody from the school, you know, watching it. Um, but I'll tell you what was kind of cool was, you know, there were parents asking me, oh, where, you know, where should my, my mom and dad, you know, they live out of state, where should they go to be able to watch it and things like that. And um, so we had, you know, a whole video intro produced. I've put that video intro as well as a three minute little just snippet. I just kind of took little bits and pieces from the show, threw it together. It's in no particular order or anything. It's just so you can kind of see like what the intro looked like, what a performance looks like, you know, kind of how we bounced back and forth between me as the host into the performer. And the other thing that we did is we had videos to play in between the performers. So it was really like, you know, watching, a, you know, Jimmy Kimmel or something minus, you know, the host, of course, me not being as, you know, uh, a funny, good late night TV host, you know, but uh, it was still enjoyable. And, um, you know, so we had like student collaboration videos and all that stuff was set up in OBS that it's instant, you know, <clears throat> transitioning from the host to an opening video over to a performer back to the host then introducing another video playing that video back to the host introducing another student over to that student and we pulled it off pretty seamlessly no problems uh the live stream ran very smooth quality and the audio was great um and i gotta tell you guys it's not really very hard to do this like it it's not hard to do a live stream that looks and sounds really, really good. Uh, and it's cheap. You know, the software we're using is free. So, um, yeah, really cool. And I think in the future, what we could do is have like segments, you know, like late night variety shows have segments, you know. And so we could do segments that give prizes away or discounts for lessons or whatever, something that would make people, you know, want to tune in more and stay tuned in, even if they're not watching their performer. We had, we had one video that was teachers. We did a little compilation song, the teachers, um, <clears throat> you know, just fun things like that. 
and uh you know watching the video back it's pretty cool and it didn't look amazing from the standpoint of like our stage setup because we were really just doing it in two rooms at the school and I didn't really put a ton into trying to make it look special there, um, but you could very easily. If I were going to continue to do it at the school, I could make it look amazing. But what I think I'm going to do is do it from a rehearsal studio or a sound stage, and there's some ones real close by to our school. So I think we're going to go that route. So, you know, we'll have a little bit more lighting on hand that we can use and just, you know, I think I can get a little bit more professional set up going for this because of that which could be really cool so um stay tuned for more info on how to do that and if you go over to the facebook page music lesson business academy um you can watch the full video intro is posted on there as well as a three minute snippet uh from the event but i i think this is the future i i really do <laughs> I also wanted to touch base a little bit on um, our schools reopening. So <clears throat> we started doing some in-person lessons as of today, just doing drums for this week. And then uh, July 6th, we bring everything else back. Um, you know, and I think we're just doing a lot of the things that you guys are all doing. Some of my thoughts on this, though, um, you know, a lot of people are definitely ready to come back to lessons um this week as we started announcing that and i started sending emails out i you know had my biggest week as far as new inquiries and people wanting to sign up than i've had in a while although still not anything like <clears throat> normal you know pre pre pc pre-covid uh the pc era um so I think it's going to be really interesting, though. Um, you know, I did get a little pushback. We had one student um, quit lessons. They were doing online. I don't think they were loving the online, but we said, hey, you know, we're, we're opening for lessons on July 6th. Um, I can put you with a different teacher. And they said, well, we'd consider it. But is everyone wearing a mask? Is that part of your reopening policy? And we said, yes. And they said, well, we, we don't you know, we don't want to do that. So. That was kind of interesting, and I think, you know, you will probably be faced with a little bit of that here and there. I don't really care. You know, I think it's important to, um, you know, follow your county and your state um, and even your city or municipality. And this is what's difficult for all of us is there's state guidelines, there are county rules, but then a city can also do what they want. So our county recently lifted the mask um, order. So the county health official had ordered the mask thing a few weeks back. She was getting death threats and at a city council meeting, people were there just, you know, the level of scientific illiteracy was shocking and makes me very frightened for our country. But, uh, somebody thought it would be fun to tell the world her home address and that they should visit her. So she was rightfully um, scared for her life and had a, you know, had to have police monitor her house. So she resigned. So it's always good to force out, um, you know, a health official who's um, 
you know, just following good scientific protocols. It's always good to force them out and then get a hack in after them. So anyway, uh, somebody else took over and the first thing they did is remove the mask order. However, my town that my school is in, Costa Mesa, has a citywide mask order. So I didn't even know about that till I just got an email a minute ago, um, you know, from some city website or something that I'm on. Um, you know, so we were going to do it anyway. I think it's important to protect your teachers. Um, and in protecting your teachers, you're doing that by enforcing a rule that everyone who comes in should wear a mask. Now, I never get political in, well, almost never. I always say that. I go, I never get political on this podcast. And then I go, well, I almost never do. This is not a political issue. I know if you guys have been listening for a long time, you've heard me say many times that I am a science geek. I don't have scientific training. If I were doing my life over, I may go into the sciences. I love it. Um, but what I've learned over the years is how to think in a scientific manner. There is a process to how you look at information and judge that information and compare it to other information. Um, you know, to come to the best conclusions that you can. Now, that doesn't mean that mistakes don't get made and that occasionally there isn't bad science that gets published and gets retracted, but that's why it works so well is that it is a self-regulating entity in that way. So if bad science gets put out there, it gets called out really, really fast. And over time, the good science comes to the top and that becomes the current literature that we use to, you know, decide on things and move forward. And, and occasionally we go one way and then eventually we change and it's always based on the best science. So I trust science very, very much because of that process. And I believe that people that say they don't trust science or science is wrong or science doesn't know everything are missing the point in that science doesn't say it knows everything. They're the first ones to say we don't know everything. And that right there should first off tell you that you might want to listen. And yes, things get wrong and then we figure out what's right and then we move forward. But science is also right a ton of the time. Look at what we do technologically, we just, you know, look at the SpaceX rocket that just launched. I mean, the technological advancements, that is because somebody, you know, got a piece of paper out and a slide rule and figured out calculations. And how do we know it worked? Well, the thing went exactly where it was supposed to in outer space. Those things are not, you know, luck, right? It's trial and error. It's using the proper scientific technique to determine something. So based on the current best information we have, we believe that the mask wearing can reduce the spread by 40 to 50%. That is dramatically significant. And if that changes, we'll go in the other direction. But that is the best way forward I see for us to be able to do business and for places to open and us to try to get the economy moving forward. So I want to protect my students and I want to protect my teachers, you know, but still be able to do commerce and be open. 
And if that's one of the things that we have to do, I think it's a minimal sacrifice. So we're, we're sticking with that. And I'm, you know, if somebody doesn't want to do it, they just can't come to our school. That's, I'm just going to have to, to hold the line on that. So now you got to obviously do what you think is right in your school. Um, you know, on top of that, you know, a lot of students are staying online and I'm signing up some new students that are kind of saying, you know, we're, we're fine. We'll, we'll start online right now. Maybe we'll come into the school later. You know, there's a price difference. I'm doing online lessons for less money. So, you know, there's a, uh, you know, something attractive to keep them there from a, a financial standpoint as well. So I think it's going to be really interesting. I think that you should really be prepared. <clears throat> Here, here's the thing that I'm prepared for. Now, I, I know Disneyland is supposed to open mid-July. We'll see if that actually happens. But I don't believe there's going to be like a countywide or statewide um, reclosing of businesses. Um, only in the most extreme situations and in, in the most worst hit areas would that be potential. Because, you know, there is only so long that we can do that for. So. I think the bigger threat to our business when it comes to this is really just things getting bad again. We stay open and then um, people don't want to come in just out of state, you know, their own, they're going to make their own choice to, to not go into your business. So although we're all excited to get this move going and get back into our schools and do some lessons and, People feel they have online, you know, lesson fatigue or whatever. Don't let your guard down and don't go away from online lessons. I, I, All I can tell you is I am still pushing my teachers because I know a number one, 50% of the lessons July and August are going to be online still. Our online lesson experience, that gives us time to still make that online lesson experience amazing. We're not quite there yet, but we're getting better. And it's going to get to a point where if we, you know, you want to do makeup lessons that way or do some kind of hybrid business where they come for a lesson one time a month and the rest of the time they're online or something like that, um, the, the, their memory of what they did experience online needs to be good. And that, so that's kind of my urgency right now with my teachers is explaining to them that the memory that we create of that online lesson, we have only a little bit more time here before a lot of those students are going to come back into the school. And, and I need their memory of the online lesson experience to be great, not to be crappy. So that's kind of where I'm at with the reopening stuff. This episode of Music Lesson Business Academy is brought to you by NeverLoanBusinessServices.com. Google ads, Facebook ads, SEO, website design, and more. For music school owners, by music school owners. Chris and Jen over at Never Alone Business Services have been helping me out. They do my Google AdWords. They've been doing a great job. And what's so cool about these guys is that they own a large music school. So they know how to target these ads. They understand what you're going through, the challenges of, well, who's the customer? Is it the kids or is it mom? And who do we market to? And who do we market to internally? And all those struggles that we constantly talk about. So very helpful. 
They've been doing a great job. I highly suggest you go over to their website, neverloanbusinessservices.com. Check them out. Mention you heard about it on Music Lesson of Business Academy and save a hundred bucks. This episode is also brought to you by TeacherZone. Scheduling, billing, and student learning management all wrapped up into one great software platform. Got some cool changes coming down the road here in July, I believe, starting to move towards some of that gamification and points and things like that that we've been talking about. So I'm really excited to see that. Give those guys a call. They would love to give you a free demo. All right, let's get into today's episode. All right, in the intro, I said... I was going to talk about a big shift or a big change that Starbucks made this week, but it's not the change <laughs> that you probably think that I'm talking about. So the change that I'm talking about in Starbucks is this week or this last week, Starbucks did a quarterly earnings report and they reported in there that they were going to close about 400 stores, which sounds horrific, but um, you got to remember Starbucks closes about a hundred stores. Um, every time they do one of these quarterly earnings reports, they report that they're going to close about a hundred stores. And a lot of that comes from, you know, they just, they just like everybody else, they have lease issues. They lose a lease or they can't get the right lease negotiated or the demographic of the neighborhood changes or there's, you know, the zoning changes. There's all kinds of things that could happen when you have thousands of locations it's just a constant changing thing. New ones are opening, old ones are closing, different things like that. So it's not really, you know, this was happening prior to, you know, COVID PC. And, um, but the shift that I found to be very, very interesting is that a lot of the new Starbucks stores and a lot of their design of stores is going to primarily be to satisfy the to-go orders. And if you've read, you know, like the founder's book about Starbucks and know anything about their early origins, one of their entire, you know, philosophies, their business philosophies was to make Starbucks the third place. Meaning you were either at work or you were at home or you went to Starbucks. It was the third place that you hung out. And it's interesting that now they're shifting away based on the demographics of the customer and what the customer wants. However, what I thought was very interesting in the way they presented it was they said, we're not abandoning the third place idea. The third place is a state of mind and it is a more of a tribal feel than it is about you actually sitting in the building. And I thought that was really interesting because it, 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 this type of business concept, you know, if you listen to my post or, you know, continually listen to the podcast, you know what I've been talking about and where my mind has been since we've been in, you know, had our businesses closed, which is, I, I feel that there is going to be this shift in business. I don't know if it's going to be tomorrow when we're all trying to open or if it's going to be years from now, but it really made me think a lot more about 
the tribalism, you know, of having our students feel like a tribe and be part of something, does, do you have to really have them come to your building? I've spent, you know, a lot of time and, you know, money kind of making my school look and feel a certain way when you came to the school, right? It's part of the experience. And I can't create that exact experience with uh, an online lesson experience, but can I create something different online that still creates a following of students and makes them feel like part of a tribe? It's going to be different tactics, right? It's going to be, you know, if the strategy is to make them part of the tribe, the tactics are going to be different if we're talking about an online student versus if we're talking about a student that comes to your school. You know, I don't think these things are going to necessarily change like overnight. I'm not instantly tomorrow just switching to all online lessons and just going in that direction. Although I know, you know, I'm seeing comments and I know of schools that have um, one of our Patreon members I know is trying to get out of their lease and is going to stick 100% online. And I've heard from a few other people. And, you know, depending on how things go out there, some people might be online long enough, um, depending on where you're at within the country or within the world to where you're almost forced to do that. And so I I think it's, I I think what we'll probably see, and I think what, what I'll start looking at more in my school is how do I, you know, currently kind of hybrid these things together, you know, like that live stream recital idea, maybe just going away from some of the old school stuff that, you know, like a recital for music has been around forever. It's just kind of what you do. You go to the violin recital and the dance recital and every kid has one. And it's kind of part of the program. You know, maybe maybe it's time for that type of thing to change. But there's got to be a way to do that where I could still create that that tribe. You know, it, you got to remember there are tribes out there that are 100% online, that have never had a physical building, that have never gotten together to meet. Although, well, I'm sure through that tribe, people do get together and meet, and, and that could still be part of what we do. Um, you know, maybe you're online, but you, ban- you have bands that get together and, and rehearse, because that's still a, a more tactile, social element. Something, you know, that I've really come to to really feel very strongly about is, you know, for kids or young adults or even adults, a music lesson, it's not really a social activity. Uh, I guess, you know, maybe for an adult, it could be a little bit more of a social activity, you know, because you're in the same age group, you know, your, your peers. Um, so, you know, coming to your guitar lesson after work and hanging out with the cool guitar teacher, you know, when you've got to work the regular gig and, you know, you want to talk rock and roll and the dreams. So I, I do, you know, that's social for them, but for the majority of students that are not adults, there's not really anything social about hanging out with the piano teacher who's 35 or whatever and the kid's 10. That's not social. That's just another, you know, adult figure showing them something. 
you know, and we can do all kinds of things to make, you know, obviously we hope that those students love that teacher, you know, and we work on all those things and we look for those qualities within the people that we hire. But it, it's not really a social element in the standpoint that that child is interacting with other kids unless they're in a group class, of course. But that's, you know, to me, that's more where the group performances or the bands or you know, and, and I guess when we say bands, you know, just think about any kind of group. It doesn't have to be a rock band. Um, you know, we're doing we've got a glee, you know, what we call glee factory happening on Sundays, two different age groups. And, you know, so something like that is a social group. You know, they can start to look forward to getting together and seeing um you know, student, other students that become their friends, but the regular music lesson, there's not really anything, um, social about that. So, you know, maybe it's time that we start to embrace the fact that most of our students, you know, want to be YouTubers. (laughs) That's, they want to be YouTubers and gamers. Very few of them are wanting to be musicians. Now, all all of us have certain students that rise to the top that, for whatever reason, got the gene or they had the older brother or their dad who introduced them to the classic bands that have inspired them. But, you know, uh, I, I think I was Dave Simon and I were having a phone conversation the other day and we were saying, you know, Yes, there are people out there, you know, like in my social media feeds that are talking about how they can't wait to be able to go back and watch live music again. And and that's good for somebody like me who tours in a band. Um, You know, everything's we've I saw my European tour got rescheduled till to June 2021. That might even be a long shot. But at some point when live music comes back you know, bands like mine, we're going to get a nice two year little bump out of this. Um, And they are, I I read a really good article about how they feel the music industry and the artists are going to have a nice increase in profits over the next five years, higher than it's been in a long time. So that's good. There's a resurgence there and the lack of live music right now might really uh, bring it back extra strong. You know, we might be able to do more touring in a year than we normally could because there'll be more demand. So, so that's great. As long as the venues can, can last long enough to stay open. But everybody who's feeling that way is like 35 years and older or 30 years and up. That's not what 12 year olds or 15 or 16 year olds are even talking about. You know, we, my generation and Dave Simon and a lot of you guys I know are similar ages that I, t- I talk to in the forum and in Music Lesson Business Academy and the Platinum Club. You know, when you were 16 and Van Halen was coming to town, it was like a rite of passage to, you know, go st- stand in line at the ticket place get your Van Halen tickets. Somebody had to take you or you went with your older brother or something like that. And those live concerts, those big arena concerts, I mean, they were magic, you know, and people, you you couldn't wait to get the t-shirt. And then you went back to school on Monday and you had the rush t-shirt on that you clearly got at the concert over the weekend. And so you were super cool. And those experiences for us was part of what instigated us to make music and want to be musicians and and take lessons. And that sparked industries. And, you know, over the years at Guitar Center, I saw those 
those changes happen based on different artists. Travis Barker, you know, he inspired a new generation of drummers for many years and, um, you know, different artists have come along and inspired, um, you know, guitar players and the, the female guitar playing crowd, which is big, bigger than it's ever been really is the Taylor Swift effect, but we really don't have a lot of artists or bands or anything instigating people to want to be a guitar player so that they, uh, you know, can be in a band and tour, but there is a lot of younger people on YouTube doing cover songs and drum cover videos and having getting millions of plays and every kid wants to be a YouTuber. So, you know, maybe that's an, an angle that we take as we think about creating this new tribe and, and doing it in a different space. And maybe it's not in a physical space. Maybe it's in our head space. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that episode. We will talk to you soon. Music Lesson Business Academy is made possible by your support over on Patreon. Get exclusive content, extra podcast episodes, live streams, and more by becoming a Patreon supporter. Go over to patreon.com backslash Music Lesson Business Academy.